we give you yours. We understand how awesome of a God you are. That you're magnificent, that you are all-knowing, that you are all-powerful, that you are in everything from beginning to finish, beginning to end. And Lord, we know that we fall short. We know that we are sinners. We, we confess that. We agree with you about our sin, that it's not good. But Lord, we thank you for what you did concerning our sin. But Lord, we're we're thankful for, for the fact that we are here this morning. We're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for what you've done in our lives, Lord. We're thankful for your heart, for your character. And Lord, once, once we get through all that, then, then, then we ask for your presence to be here. We ask for your spirit to fill this room. Lord, I pray that you would put in in your church, in your people, a desire to speak to you. A desire to have callous knees. A desire to be men and women who pray. But Lord, men and women who pray the word of God. Lead us through this morning. We need you. God, I pray that the spirit will continue to work on every individual that is in this room. Because, Lord, we know that you're here, and we want to acknowledge your presence. God, we need you. Prepare us for your word. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Y'all can be seated. Welcome this morning. I hope everybody's doing all right. You're not too anxious for that. What's it, tennis match or golf something that's happening today? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Football game. Um, appreciate you being here. And, uh, you know, the Lord prepared you for this morning. And the interesting thing about Sunday mornings for ESS is that we have a first service, we have a second service. Sometimes numbers fluctuate, sometimes they don't. But first service personality it's a little bit different than second service personality. It doesn't make you guys two separate churches or anything like that. But here's the group for today, you know. And the Lord prepared you for today. He prepared you for this moment. Um, he's been working on you all week, whether you know it or not. Um, and here we are. And so what I'm just going to appeal and ask for you guys is just to listen to what the Lord is saying to you this morning about something that's very, very basic, very, very simple. Uh, and you see the title of this message, it says, Building with the Basics. We've been going through Nehemiah, we've had an amazing time opening up this book, figuring out who this guy is, understanding a little bit about his character. Um, and we get we got through the first four verses last week, seeing that, and I, I made this statement to you guys, that before the Lord does something through you, he does that work in you first. And we see that in Nehemiah. Nehemiah was called to build a wall. He did it in 52 days. That's ridiculous. And he did it, um, as we will see through these next six chapters. We're not going through six chapters today. But what I'm saying is through the next six chapters, you're going you're gonna to see something about this boy that... I, I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm such a believer that he had no knees. None. Whatsoever. Because the man was a man of prayer. Everything that he did, before he did it, he was on his knees praying about it. So 
we, we, we got through those first four verses, and now we're, we're at a place where Nehemiah is literally, he's praying to God, and we get a chance to see what this prayer is. Now, I could probably spend the next six months on this prayer, and you know what? We might do that, <laughs> honestly. There's so much in there that it's just, you, we, we can't skip over any of it, and that's what we're going to do. That's what we always do. I'm always going to tell you guys we preach the word here. We don't we don't skip over any of it. Some of it might be hard, but we got to hear it because we want the whole counsel from Genesis to Revelation. So I didn't do this in the first service. I'm going to do it in this service that from here on out, in order for us to be a biblically literate church, I'm going to ask you guys to just bring your Bibles. Always bring your Bible on a Sunday. If you don't have it right now, don't be like, oh, my goodness. I don't have it. I'm in trouble. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to single you out or anything like that. But don't take my word for it. Read it in the scripture. Have that thing open just so that you can say, all right, here it is. It's, I'm going to take it from that, and I'm not going to take it from anything else or anyone else. Amen? So just, you know, keep bringing that word. But this title says Building with the Basics. This entire message is going to be about two things. And we're going to see these two things working together in the prayer of Nehemiah. And what I want to do is take these, this prayer from verses 5 to 11. And we're going to read through it and get kind of a bird's eye view snapshot of it. And then the next however many weeks the Lord, you know, however slow or fast he wants us to go through it, that's, we're going to go through the prayer. But in it, same thing, I, I did the same thing with Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. I gave you a snapshot, a bird's eye view of this thing. And now we're going through it line by line, precept on precept. And so, again, this entire message is going to be about two things. It's going to be about prayer. It's going to be about the word. Very, very, very basic things. But when you see them work together, it will blow you away. And I'm going to make the statement before we kind of jump in to some of this, into reading this, because I do want to read through it before I get any further. And I'm going to say this, that if you don't become a man or a woman of serious prayer, and I'm talking serious and effective prayer, we'll talk about what effective prayer is. But if you don't become that, you will die. Areas of your life, you will be dead and there's probably areas of your life right now, as I say that, you're like, well, I feel dead in this area. If you can think back, well, do you pray about it? Okay, maybe the answer is yes. But do you pray effectively about it? It's an interesting question. It's like, how do I make my prayers effective? Well, we're going to see how Nehemiah made his prayers effective. <laughs> and then the next question is, do you even know how to pray? Is it, you know, clasp your hands, bow your head, close your eyes, say some things that kind of sound fluent, they flow together, you know, and hopefully you're not judged while you're, if you're praying out loud or anything like that. And so we, we have this perception of what prayer is, but do we really even know how to effectively pray? We're going to look at some of that stuff. So let's. Let's read through this prayer. If I get that up there on, yeah, there we go. Um, I'm going to read through this, and then we're going to kind of, we're going to pull some things out, 
that I think are essential in the statement I got to make before I read this is that I'm never going to tell you the perfect formula for praying. But if we look at three or four different prayers in the word and they all have the same structure, you think God's trying to say something? There's some, there's some things about prayer that if we approach it the right way, they become more effective. So let's just read this and then we'll jump into breaking it down. Verse 5 says, I said, I beseech you, O Lord, and this is Nehemiah praying, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night. On behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you, and I and my father's house have sinned. Uh, Verse 7, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you have commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are faithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote parts of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great power and by your strong hand. And then verse 11, it says, O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. Now, I'm, I'm stealing a little bit of content from my dad. <laughs> hey, who would have thought? Um, he taught this book to the CSU football team some like six or seven years ago. And there was something that he pulled out of there that I think honestly should be like copywritten because it's it's just a guideline. And he's an ac- acronym guy. Okay? Um, yeah. He acronyms all over the place. I remember... Well, I probably shouldn't go into too many personal stories, but he's all about life lessons, okay? And every life lesson that he's ever told me had some kind of acronym in it. You know what I'm saying? We're sitting in our kitchen. Acronym here. Acronym for that. I just want to talk to you, Dad. What's up with all these acronyms? Anyway, he brings this acronym through this this teaching, and it's it's simple. It's the word ACTS. A-C-T-S. And this Guys, is simply just a guideline for prayer. When I ask you, do you know how to pray? And sometimes you don't necessarily know what to say or how to say it. I'm going to give you an acronym to help you understand what's going on, not only in this prayer, but on your sheet you got a, a cross-reference. And it's Daniel, uh, is it, it's Daniel 9, right? 4 through 19. Last service I said it was Daniel 4. It's Daniel 9. 4 through 19. That's another prayer where we see these things, these same principles within this prayer that align with this acronym ACTS. And I'm going to give these to you real quick. Is everybody with me? Amen? We're going to look at the importance of this 
and I'm going to bring something else into this. Verses 8 and 9 are huge. And I just want to make sure that we understand the seriousness of the weapon that we have when it comes to prayer. But in the word it says, when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray for you. But if I'm giving you these, these ac- this acronym, A-C-T-S, that A stands for adoration. Now let's go back to verse 5. Can we get that back up on the screen? You know, a lot of times when we pray, we come right away with our stuff. We're just like, Lord, word vomit, emotionally vomit all over, and here's where I'm at. Help me. Right? Well, is that the way that it's done in the word? If I'm sitting up here asking you to bring your Bible and be a biblically literate church, that means that we got to operate out of the word. Right? So if we're looking at prayer in the word, we're looking at how Nehemiah prays. He begins with adoration. He says, I said, I beseech you, O O Lord God of heaven. The great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, the significance of that is this. It communicates to the Lord one thing, that you have reverence in your heart for him. You know who he is. You know how powerful he is. You know by scripture from the word what kind of God you serve. And so you're simply repeating that back to him. It puts your heart in a place where now you're able to speak to him correctly. Because sometimes, I'll be honest with you guys, we say things to the Lord. I hear people say things to the Lord sometimes, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. There's no clouds in the sky, but if you get struck by lightning, like, I'm sorry. Um, there's, a, there's a certain level of reverential fear that we need. And that needs to be displayed to the Lord when we simply pray and tell him who he is. He's magnificent. He's awesome. He's all of those things come out of scripture. And I keep saying scripture for a reason. We're going to get to that. This next letter, we got adoration. We adore the Lord. Shows reverence, a deep respect for the Lord. Then we come to what the C is. And it's confession. And we're reading in verse 6, it says, Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, and there's that word, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. Now I'm going to stop right there before we go to verse 7. Because verse 7 is connected to verse 6 as well. Now, why confession? Am I the only person in here who has ever tried to rationalize away their sin? (laughs) Hopefully not, because then I probably shouldn't be preaching. You know, you guys, I'll give the mic to one of you guys, and you guys can come up here and preach. But here's, here's the significance of confessing your sin before the Lord. What it does is you don't then kind of just call sin what it is and then... Walk around it and not really address it. When you audibly confess this sin, it moves you out of the way. And the Lord now is able to speak to you in a way that isn't going through the filter of your sin. Trying to rationalize your sin away like it's something that's okay. Now here's here's one step deeper. Go to verse 7. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant 
Moses. Now we're confessing the details of our sin. You know what that means? That means that you're serious about letting it go. That you're not just saying, you're not, how do I say it? It's not a blanket, broad statement. You understand here is the exact sin that needs to be confessed. The Lord sees a seriousness in your heart that you want to get rid of that. You're in a place where I don't even want to say you're ready to let it go. But you're prepared for what happens when you let it go. Being ready, let me, let me just say this. You'll never be ready in your life. There's some things you will be ready for, but the majority of life just happens. You're never really ready for it. But let me ask you this. Are you prepared for it? I'm not ready to let go of some things in my life, but I'm prepared because I know the God that I serve is never going to put me in a situation to be without. I, I'm never going to lack anything. All of those thoughts and those words come from somewhere. They have to come from Scripture. If it doesn't come from Scripture, here's what I'm saying. I'm trying to marry prayer with praying the Word. We'll see that in verses 8 and 9. So let me give you these other, let me give you these, uh, give you the T here. And I'm going to read verse 8. yeah, I'm going to read verse 8 and 9. It says, Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote parts of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. Now this T is thanksgiving. Alright? Now this is where you start thanking him for everything in your life. Now I just got done reading those two verses and you look through there and you're kind of like, mm, how does that connect to thanksgiving? I got to pause and say that when, when we look at the A, adoration, when we look at confession, when we look at thanksgiving, and this last peace s will be supplication which basically means make your request known that's when you start to pour yourself out there's no prayer is not a formula i have to make sure that i'm communicating that there's no formula to prayer as much as the prayers that we look at in the word have a structure to them let's take prayer let's lift it up let's see what's underneath that thanksgiving is one of those pieces let me ask you this question what is the true product, outcome of brokenness? What's the true product of brokenness? You guys are like, is he really asking for a real answer? Well, the true product of brokenness, like when you have been crushed to the point where you know you cannot sustain yourself anymore. And you know that the only thing, the only person, the only spirit that can sustain you is Christ himself. And then you look back on your life and see how many times he should have blown your butt out of the water, but he didn't. The true product of brokenness is gratitude. It's thankfulness. You are so thankful to even just be here. 
You're so thankful for the fact that the Lord brought you through something, loved you enough, cared about you enough to bring you on the other side of something. Let's connect that to to confession. You confess sin, stuff that's the deep, dark stuff in there, the stuff that the Lord should have blown you out of the water for. I mean, think about if he put you right up here and then just exposed all of what was in you. Like, that's scary. That scares me to death. I'm the one with the mic on, and he's like, I'm scared of him one day just opening it all up. There's no there's no value to sin. All sin is um, destructive to the Lord. It's it's I mean it's sin. But what I'm saying is that when you confess those sins and realize your insufficiency, your deficiency without the Lord, it makes you thankful. Gratitude comes because you're broken. Now, the last one that I told you was. The S is supplication. Well, what do we see in verse 10? They are your servants and your people who you redeem by your great power, by your strong hand. Let's go to verse 11. Oh, Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive. He starts asking him, attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now, this man is the king. He's about to go ask the king. Or, or, yeah, he's about to go ask the king if he can leave to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So he's he's making his requests known. So you have adoration, you have confession, you have thanksgiving, you have supplication. Now, what I am about to pull out of this is in verses eight and nine, and then I'm going to connect that back to this thankfulness. This gratitude piece. And show you how that's in there. But are you guys with me this morning so far? Before I do that, I'm going to make this statement that's going to carry us through the next part of this message. The first statement that I made was, if you do not pray, you will not have life in areas of your life. If you don't pray, you will die. That was for the prayer aspect of things. Now let me make this statement. You guys catch this. Our most effective prayers are those that come from the promises of God. You want your prayers to be effective? Let them come from the promises of God. I'll say it again. Your most effective prayers come from the promises of God. Well, where are the promises of God? Where do you find them? Somebody shout it out. Come on now. In the word of God. See, there's times when in my past when I've prayed and the Lord didn't necessarily move right away. Now, his timing is his timing. That is all up to him. But what we see in Nehemiah is that in verse 4. We're going to go back one. And can is that is that in there? Is verse 4 in there? Maybe it's at the end. There it is. Yes. This is Nehemiah's reaction to asking a question and getting a response. It says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. And then what does verse 5 say? 
Then I said, wait, wait, wait. So what you're telling me, let's back up. This man prayed before he prayed. You guys ever thought about doing that? Praying before you pray? See, Nehemiah was in a situation where there was a reaction to something that was emotionally charged. And instead of just praying once about it, the man had to get into a place where he had to ask the Lord, what do you even want me to pray about? I, This has smacked me in the face because I don't always do that. But I want to start doing that. Because what happened is we see in verses 8 and 9. Can we get 8 and 9 up there? Remember the word. Now, God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. Why would I need to tell God to remember anything? The boy knows everything. Come on. So why, why is Nehemiah praying that way? Well, he says, remember the word in which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are faithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. Let's go to verse 9. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen uh, to cause my name to dwell. See, those verses communicate two things that I want you guys to to hold on to when it comes to letting your prayers be most effective the significance of verses 8 and 9 praying the word is twofold it shows that you know the word now this word know in the Hebrew is an intimate term if uh, Beck was in here Beck's our teacher he could blow that word out of the water give you history and break it down for you and all that but what I get is that this word knowing is an intimate term that means that it's more than he's more than just acquainted with the word of God he's more than just acquainted with the history of what the Lord has said to Moses what does that mean that means he spent time studying that stuff being submerged in that stuff being surrounded by that it's very hard to pray the word when you don't know the word but here's the second thing that I think is unbelievably significant about those two verses. If you look at the dates from when Nehemiah heard about the condition of Jerusalem to the time he actually showed up, it's about four months in there. So when he prayed about praying, he prayed for about prayed and fasted for about four months. In that time, because it was such an emotional response. This, it's not an idea, but this principle of praying the word does, does something that is very, very important. It anchors you to the truth in a time when your emotions are all over the place. I know everybody in here has been in a place where your emotions are like north, south, east, west, up, down, underwater, in the sky, all over the place. It not only spoke to the Lord that my child knows me. But it spoke to Nehemiah and it anchored him back to something that he could he could hang on to. You guys trucking with me on that? 
That's why it is so unbelievably significant and instrumental, important, however many words I want to tack on to that, my goodness, to not just pray, but to pray the word of God. Because your most effective prayers are the ones that come from the promises of the Lord. Nehemiah refers back to a time when he said, remember when you scattered these people and then you gathered them up? Lord, don't forget that you love these people. That also reminded him that, look, the God that I serve loves his people. So my emotions need not go to a place that causes me to think anything different. Does that make sense? It's a safeguard. If you want your prayers to be effective in the midst of an emotional time, pray the word of God. Are you with me, church? Come on now. So here I am, appealing to you guys. I've I've done it the past two weeks. I'm going to do it again to help me build this thing. To help me build um, the fivefold ministry to create people who look just like Christ. That are, that attain to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Jesus. That's our measuring stick. (laughs) It ain't got nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with when people come in here and they walk out, they look just like Christ. There's so much more about the vision that I would jump into right now, but I only got another 10 minutes and I want to keep you guys here till next year explaining the whole thing. But there's so much about what God is doing that I'm asking you guys to help me build. Nehemiah appealed to his people saying, help me build by just building right in front of your house. You don't have to build so-and-so's down the streets part of the wall. Just build right in front of your house. And what have I been asking you to build with? Essential things that we see in the word that Paul, when he went into cities, built with the same things. Evangelism. He went in, started preaching the gospel, and people's hearts were changed. Evangelism. That's what we do here. We evangelize. Because we want to fill these seats with not just more Christians, but new converts. Excuse me. Not more Christians from other churches, but new converts. Does that make sense? Second thing is discipleship. Getting in front of somebody and not pointing them towards you. This isn't mentorship. We're not talking about that. Discipleship is taking somebody's shoulders, turning them straight to Christ. According to the red letters. According to what? The word of God. And then the last one is neighboring. Neighboring is simply going across your street and just taking care of the person over there. Because the Lord asks us to do that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he says, love your neighbor. What if he actually meant... Your next door neighbor and not the person in Tahiti or the person on the other side of the world. Like, don't hear me say that missions are bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that your mission field can also be your own neighborhood. So here are these building blocks that I've asked you guys, hey, right in front of you, just start stacking these things up. Well, what's the mortar in between each one of those? It's the people. Because I, in order to evangelize, I, I gotta go talk to somebody. In order to evangelize, there's there's people involved. Same thing with discipleship. I got to sit down one on one, look somebody in the eye, talk to them about what it means to be a follower of Christ. The word Christian was only used twice in the word, and it wasn't used as a term of endearment. It was used to mock people who looked like Christ. 
the word, the phrase follower of Christ, disciple, that's used 251 times. You think God's trying to say something? Hey, we're disciples of Christ. We're trying to look just like him. The people are the mortar between that. Same thing with neighboring. So you guys know I'm a construction management guy, right? Keep saying that. Got my degree in that. Here are these building blocks that I've that I put out in front of you guys. The people are the mortar that connect those building blocks. Well, a lot of times when you walk up to a job site, there's materials everywhere. You don't know where to put what, why this block goes next to this block. The dimensions of this block doesn't match the ones over here, but it has to go over there. Like you got to know where to put discipleship. You got to know where and when to evangelize, right? So if I made the connection with all of those being the building blocks and mortar being uh, people being the mortar, then 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 what's prayer? Let me say this. When you pray the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, there's nothing in there that is new. Every situation you have ever been through or will go through, you can read about it and how to deal with it from Genesis to Revelation. So prayer is a detailed blueprint on the design on how to stack each block next to each other. We can't get that blueprint unless we have callous knees. We can't get that blueprint unless we're praying effectively. When I pray the word of God and see Nehemiah pray the word of God, it quiets his heart. It would quiet my heart and give me a chance to hear what it is the Lord is asking me to do and how he's asking me to do it. Are you trucking with me on this at all? Guys, prayer is so it is it it is such an amazing weapon that I feel like has been um, put in an insignificant light in the church because we can be afraid of it. Having a a, a good prayer as I'm praying out loud, I don't want to get judged by the person next to me because then they might think that I'm not a good prayer. Man, we need to tell that to go back to hell where it came from. We got some people in here who are in the military have seen weapons that do some crazy damage. All of us know history, the atom bomb, the nuclear warhead. Like, that stuff is no joke. If I told you you had the most effective and powerful weapon known to man, would you use it? Would you use it? What I, what my my prayer and my my uh, my task, I feel like, is to return this body. Not that we're away from it that much, but returning and in, in encouraging you guys in the importance of prayer in your life. To be able to lead your wife, to be able to lead your family, to be able to lead your kids, to have a blueprint of a design of how it's supposed to work. You got to be on your knees. But you can't just be on your knees banging a loud gong, like praying just ridiculous stuff. Not saying that that's bad, because anytime you talk to the Lord, that's a good thing. But if you want your prayers to be effective immediately, I'm just asking you, try praying the Word of God and see what happens. Because we see it all over the Word of God. Amen?
we have to be a biblically literate church in order for that to happen. And so you guys, are you guys trucking with me this morning? We have the adoration. We have confession. We have thanksgiving. We have supplication. There is so much in this prayer that I want to, before we get into it, first show you guys the importance of. We won't be able to build this. I won't be able to build this. Uh, The Lord won't be able to build this through us if we don't pray. And I'm talking like some serious prayer. What I'm going to pray, and you're going to get mad at me for this one, (laughs) is that the Lord wakes you up in the middle of the night to speak to him because he wants to speak to you. That he will pull you out of, not your job, like get you fired, I'm not saying that, but pull pull you out of a situation in your job and just take you outside so that you can pray. Put you in a situation where the only thing that is going to give you peace is when you get on your knees and you pray the word of God. Because if he's going to do a great work through us, he's going to do a great work in us first. And when he does it in us, he's going to open up lines of communication that when we ask, we're going to get the real answer right away. You with me? Be a be a man, be a woman who prays. In the morning, at night, all the time. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh, we're going to begin to to close this service. Can I get the worship team back up here and let's get prepared for our offering? Again, we're going to see through the first six chapters of Nehemiah that Nehemiah was a man who took prayer seriously. And what happened when that when that man got on his knees, it changed him from being ready for something. I'm, I'm, I'm referencing what I said at the beginning of the service, to being prepared for anything. You can get ready for something. You can get ready for you know something as small as your day. You can get ready for an event. You can get ready for whatever. But when you pray and you pray the word, you then become prepared for anything. Just like I said, any situation that you will face or have faced is in Genesis to Revelation. If I'm praying the word, hey, I'm good. Guess what kind of confidence that gives me? Walking in anywhere, I got my head up because I know who's behind me, who's in front of me, who's on every side of me. It's Jesus. Let me make this statement before we we close. If you've ever been to a sporting event, that's entertainment. If you ever watch TV, that's just simple entertainment. Sometimes you know the Lord is asking you to get on your knees and pray and just cry out to him. And there's times where we say no to that. I want to watch my favorite show on Netflix or I want to go do this one thing. I'll go work out. I want to be preoccupied with something else. All of that is entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, at some point the TV goes off. At some point you leave the sporting event. At some point you got to come home. 
anything else that we put in that time where the God where where God is asking us to beseech his throne to pray anything else we put in there that is not that is pure and mere entertainment it will not last it will end and then you'll be right back in the same place needing to be on your knees and what I love is that the Lord loves us enough to let us go through that over and over again until we get it so I'm saying why don't we stop with the entertainment and just be a church that prays a church that knows the word amen heavenly fathers we take up this offering lord you're teaching us about what it means to pray and and have our, our prayers be effective because we're praying the word of god we agree with you about something that you've already done or are going to do that's an easy prayer lord we agree with what it says in your word about giving where money is the only place in the word where it says it for you're asking us to test you and so lord we confidently step in to that promise that you will return it to us a hundredfold but we want to be faithful and lord a lot of the times we say this every sunday i'll pray this to you all the time it's not about an amount as much as it is about our heart as we give but lord we're giving so that we can add more seats to the kingdom that's what it's all about we pray so that we can add more seats to the kingdom we evangelize so we can add more seats to the kingdom if that's not it then we should close up shop but lord as this play is passed i pray that you would bless what gets put in gets put in there so that we can bless you in jesus name you guys can go ahead